This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 267. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on episode 267, we are starting a brand new series looking at the Forgotten Jally box sets. Now these box sets have recently been released from Vinegar Syndrome. I have been grateful and lucky enough to get both box sets over in Scotland, which, I mean, was no mean feat, although Vinegar Syndrome actually are one of the better companies to ship from the States, so much love to them, and also for putting together this rad collection of, you know, Jallo movies, which are maybe not as commonly known as some of the heavy hitters, and certainly from directors who are not the at the forefront, let's put it that way, of conversation when discussing the subgenre. Joining me on this series through the entire six movies over two box sets is a guy who appeared as an adjudicator on Podcast Under the Stairs during the summer series. It is uh, the rather incredible Dave James Parker. He will be coming up after the first break to discuss the first movie, The Police Are Blundering in the Dark. Now, before we get to that, we're kicking off a brand new week of podcasts under the stairs content, and boy, do we have a great week ahead for you. Tomorrow, you are getting a special bonus episode with a review of Psycho Gorman ahead of its release on the 22nd. It'll also feature an interview with the director himself joining me to discuss the movie. I'm very much looking forward to you guys checking not only the movie out, which is a ton of fun and much needed after the year that was 2020, but also because I think it's it's time to kick off things right. Let's reclaim a bit of fun in our cinema and this guy is doing it the right way. So yeah, you'll hear that interview and review dropping tomorrow. On Thursday, you're getting a little bonus content for all y'all out there. It's going to feature a bonus review of a brand new Shudder title, so we'll be discussing that as well. The movie is, of course, Fingers, and I'll be discussing that on Thursday. On Sunday, 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 we return to the 88 Films Slasher Classic series of reviews. We're going to be doing disc number 39 in the collection, and of course, that movie is popcorn. So there you go, four episodes coming your way from under the stairs. On the old Teapots Collective, we are going to be bringing you some cool content. There will be an update episode dropping today. That update episode is basically going to lay out for what the collective is going to be doing this year. You'll also be getting from the Teapots Collective the kind of final instalment of Opera Omnia ahead of a brand new season of that kicking off with Bo Ransdell. The new season will be looking at David Fincher and will run ostensibly for the entire year because uh, Fincher has 12 movies and there are 12 months. 
That's good. Uh, things to look out for. In February, we'll be kicking off a brand new season of Chronicle. Uh, Doing the Nasty will be out at the end of the month as well. As well as the concluding and brand new kickoff for Where to Begin With. We'll be closing out with your reviews for Where to Begin With Jallo and kicking off a brand new season two. That season two, we'll be looking at found footage movies very excited to be doing that that's going to run 10 episodes long and give you what i consider as the logical 10 step approach to found footage movies to gain an appreciation and love for the subgenre i think that's kind of what we're trying to do with that show enough talking at the front here let's get into it i'm going to take a very short break just now you're going to hear promos for shows that i love you're going to hear the trailer for the police are blundering in the dark when i return i'll be joined with dave parker we're going to be discussing that movie and a whole lot more right after this hello this is the doom show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking america we don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So, here we go. Another series. I'm very excited for this one. Not because um, it's it's another box set series, which means like I get to open box sets that would usually lie on the shelf gathering dust for quite some time. But, um, this box set series that we're going to run on is looking at some jelly, which, you know, makes me happy. But it allows me... To bring on a guest who went above and beyond during the summer series, who will go above and beyond this year coming on the summer series, but 
promoting himself from an adjudicator to an actual host, which makes me very excited. He is a guy who, I mean, your movie knowledge must be like nuts, if I'm being honest. It must be absolutely insane. And we will get to know you more as the series goes along. But it's my pleasure at this time to introduce Dave James Parker. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. And my movie knowledge isn't that great. I just have a weird memory where I remember the little stupid details that no one else remembers. So people think I remember everything, but that's not true. I just don't remember anything important. I'm like, who's this guy? I'm like, I don't know. But remember, he was wearing a green shirt that had a yellow handkerchief. <laughs> I don't know. Brain damage. There's, a, there's, there's, a, there's that way where I'm a terrible mind for, for specific details. Like, in films just off the cuff like if, if, I, if I've watched it for a show I'm usually pretty good at picking things together but I'm great for like you know what's the name of that actor oh I can maybe name about seven movies he's been in before I get to the name of the actor oh yeah especially like the Italian ones because you know if, if you're like me and I know you are you're mm-hmm. gonna mispronounce it you're like that is uh, Jello Mugilani <laughs> I think that is his, that is the Christian name, Jello Mucciolani. and it's like no, it's not. Right. Yeah, I really. There's part of me that wishes that I had a a greater love for for more British genres of horror, so I could pronounce the names. Um, but I, I think there, there's a slight part, part of maybe sadomasochism in there where I uh, uh, like have a, a deep love for genres that are full of names that I can't pronounce and it's, it's the bane of my existence you um, we, we've been shooting this backwards and forwards now for a couple of months um, and I'm very excited to do this and I think it was I'm going to say it was you I'm going to give you the credit or the blame depending on which way this drops for the series <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I think like between what we're like because we were talking about five or six different box sets and there was a time we were talking about maybe um, was it Peter Walker? I think was one we wanted to do Peter Walker, but we decided to do the William Griffey box set, right? Y- yes, so and you've told me that it's maybe part two. You, 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 what? We're not? <laughs> you, <laughs> you you've told me because uh, you dropped me a line a couple of nights ago before I'd started watching and prep for this show. Uh, it's worth saying we're doing Forgotten Jolly volumes one and two. And we're starting off on this episode looking at the police are blundering in the dark. Um, from 1978 and uh, <laughs> you, 75? might be 75 is it 75 right well I'll go with that sounds better um, okay. <laughs> and I think um, you had told me that maybe maybe we dodged a bullet by going down this road first instead of jumping into the old Grethy box set feet first well, I'm halfway through the box set and it was like fun movie bad movie great movie okay movie so we're going back and forth you know what i mean i'm sure it's going to be a, it's a great set all all around so far but this one of those movies was just oh my i can't this is awful <laughs> this title is ridiculous huh like yeah. i thought this was spanish but i mean it is italian it is an italian one so i thought this was a spanish giallo i think yeah. the other two one of them is spanish yes there's, there's spanish involvement and Oh, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're, they're like as they became more popular, there was more involvement, specifically from Spain and Germany, uh, just in general. Um, oh, and France, and they yep. all all of them are co-productions. That's why it gets really confusing. Yes, like, I think French sex murders is in the second box set, and I think that's the one with the Humphrey Bogart impersonator. I've seen <laughs> that one, and I think it's a French co-production. Uh, so they are all like weird co-productions, everything like that. Yeah, so. I mean, in in some respects, I I, I like that. 
as an idea because you tend to find your the they open up the pool of acting a little bit so you get a, oh, a yeah. lot more of an international flavor you always got an international flavor in Jallo anyway but it tended to be one or two roles uh, that were given to western act well let's say western english speaking actors um as a way to you know attract that audience or you know if if the the money was coming in from germany there would be a german actress or you know something along those lines to give it some sort of linchpin which makes sense we still do that to this day in cinema it's the oh, yeah. It's the reason that, you know, certain movies are pivoted a certain way for a Chinese audience. You know, certain scenes yeah, are removed. You yeah, that's like certain things are removed in order to the play there. And that's, that's you know, so it's always been done. But what struck me about this one is, like, I, for one, had picked up the wrong name of this movie I, I, I knew police were involved so when you sent me a message <laughs> two nights ago saying the police are blundering in the dark I thought this was like Cold War sort of spy <laughs> signals or something I was like yes but the moon shall rise in the south you know like you'd be like yes the, the Germans are marching or like, follow I, the drinking gourd I didn't know what you, I know I didn't know what you were coming and you were like from the box set and I was like Oh, was that the name of the movie? <laughs> I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> what are we doing here? So we have three movies that we're going to be covering over the next couple of episodes from Box Set 1, then three in Box Set 2. Uh, this box set's been released by Vinegar Syndrome, who have been on an incredible run for, for a label over the last, like, three years. They seem to have really raised their game. Now, I'm not saying that all their movies are of an incredible standard, but they have a very clear identity of what their market is. And they, they do a good job in that world. Um, the box set is beautiful. I, I, it's one of those ones that it's got pride of place on my shelf. Um, and this was one, like I say, I wasn't overly familiar with. According to their website, uh, The Police Are Blundering in the Dark is a story of a young nude model who's violently stabbed to death with a pair of scissors. It soon emerges that three other women have already fallen prey to this unknown maniac. And that all three victims have a single unique connection. They all served as models for an eccentric photographer named Parisis, <laughs> maybe. Um, when another young damn this pronunciation, when another young woman with a date to be photographed is murdered, her journalist boyfriend decides to investigate the crimes and quickly finds himself mixed up with the aforementioned photographer, who reveals that he's working on a camera capable of photographing people's thoughts. That's right, mind blown. Um, the film. That's right, like the fifty-minute mark, and I was like, wait, what? Excuse me? Yeah. What was that? Literally, <laughs> literally just like, it's just like they, they wheel it in and hope that the audience hasn't noticed that it wasn't there from the start. Which I kind of <laughs> Yeah, because I was... I was like, what's this Bob Ross motherfucker doing right now? <laughs> he totally, he's Bob Ross. He is. Oh, he's, he's Bob Ross in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> he's, he's Bob, uh, it goes on to say the film's, the, the only film credit from one and done director. Helia Colombo, maybe not how to pronounce that, but let's try it. The police are blundering in the dark is a satisfyingly sleazy and decidedly oddball giallo rarity filled with bloody killings, plentiful nudity, wild plot twists, and plenty of general weirdness. Unseen outside its native Italy, Vinegar Syndrome presents the police are blundering in the dark in a fresh 2K restoration from its original negatives um, in this first home video release anywhere in the world. So yeah, it's uh, a 2 scan from the original 35mm negatives. Um, there is an audio essay that I've still to listen to from Rachel Nisbet, who knows her shit. Uh, it's she, good. It's good. 
she's really good on the Jallo stuff. That's that's her big. Um, I know that Kat Ellinger's involved with one of the other ones, I believe, as well, and Troy Holworth. So the 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 you know they clearly done their homework in getting some yeah. so, some some voices in there to do the the business. Now we we were joking about this last night. Um, <laughs> in uh, I made the statement that. There is a reason I have never heard of this movie before. Come on. This is a classic. You ain't never heard of Police Are Blundering in the Dark? It's, um, it's, to say it's weird. It's not, it's not, like, weird, weird. There are other movies from this part of the world that are made about this time that are infinitely weirder than this one. It's not Sister weird. Sister Ursula? that was real weird or in the folds of the flesh Mm, yeah i mean like 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 ones that you sit down and you feel like someone swirled your brain with acid at the end of it um so like this one is like it's not weird per se but it's not very well made and i think i think that was the, the the kind of big thing that came for me before we even get into like necessarily like the the full on plot details from the time period this movie's coming out it's surprisingly not that bloody if you know what i mean like the effects aren't like the actual violent effects of someone being stabbed compared no, to some are. of the other jallos around are a bit mm, you know they're a bit... it's even later in the cycle it's 75 so yeah. like they're 70, 71, 72. Yeah, and then, Torso's uh, already been released at this point. So I think that's yeah. like, I always, there's certain movies that create benchmarks for me on how, you know, effects are used, specifically in this part of the world. And like Torso's one of those bench poles, for, for example. Uh, Deep Red, certainly. <laughs> you know, like, like where you can see certain ones, like, you, you know, like once, once Filchie's got involved with the, the kind of zombie stuff and all the rest, like the effects go crazy. Um, but there are those points, those kind of pivot points. And this one, it's not as as like you know, it's someone being dotted with a sponge with red on it. Um, and they, there's violent deaths as well. This is death by scissor, which yeah, in itself is pretty fucking violent. And oh, the movie opens up brilliantly too. It's I got think, with such the, the, a brilliant like this is it fooled me. Yeah. This, this movie. Once again, not saying it's a bad movie, but it fooled me because, like, we we open with a, like essentially like this very attractive woman <laughs> like running oh, through. I, I just the opening shot with the credits with the mm-hmm. the pair of scissors stabbed in like a rock or a tree, yep. and it has the blood on it, and you see like the green around it, and it's just like it just brings back the like I think English countryside, like mm-hmm. um, what's the symptoms or yes. the one by Laurent stuff like that, where yep. it just has that bright green countryside. It feels like this feels like it was shot in the uk in the opening in the woods and stuff for me like all the hammer movies so like i love that opening yeah. shot music's good too the score that this is the thing right so what it doesn't have necessarily in panache with cinematography because it is very flat cinematography very flat. um it makes up for with the score so like it's picking off certain things that you just associate with Jallo now before we get into the the real particulars of this one um, you're a first time guest on here and it's always good to to establish like the ground level um, of your interests and what we're going to talk about so like when I've spoke to to Derek in the past and he's been on uh, before we got into like speak about the Norman J. Warren stuff we've got a bit of his background on, on what sort of stuff he checks out and knowing from what you've posted and seeing your videos on on YouTube and stuff like that, I know that you very much myself have an eclectic taste in horror movies, but you tend to lean towards uh, the Euro stuff, which does my heart proud. Um, 
in terms of jowls, like is when you're looking at like European horror in general, are you more attracted to the the kind of folk horror side of things, jalo, uh, the you know the kind of ghost stories, or you know police procedural sci-fi, or is it just like if it's from that part of the world, there's a good chance I'm going to dig it. Um, when it comes to like more of the thriller or giallo side, I like the psychological stuff mm-hmm. more. So like if you get in like the like the animal trilogy, they all those have like some sort of psychological damage killer. So that's why Argento's stand out for me. Yep. But when it comes from Italy, I, I like kind of the crazier ones. Like that's the stuff I got used to, like the Fulci from like Zombie On and even before all Fulci stuff is great. Yeah. Uh, even his giallos are more. I, I like the giallos to like kind of question something like um don't torture a duckling is like questioning like religion it has a superstitious yep. elements but if, if we're talking straight euro horror i love the gothic stuff too mm-hmm. i love the baba i love the hammer stuff but uh i am more of a zombie guy so i like the cheesy crappy zombie movies i adore nice. them like very brown <laughs> and nightmare city i know this movie is a zombie movie okay whatever <laughs> it's all intent of purposes it's a zombie movie and in fact, bringing up Lindsay, I thought that I had to double check. I was like, this seems like Lindsay would have had something to do with it because every second a woman is dead, they rip off their shirt and show their breasts before they kill them. And that's so a Lindsay. That's how much tits in this movie, by the way. Like, we, like, one of the things that kind of shocked me was, like, because we get tits early on, right? And I'm like, right, cool. We're setting a precedent for that, right? That's not a problem. Like, it can't the- happen. You know, the women are just going to get their tops off at some point, and that's right. I, I will, I will roll with that. But then we arrive at a mansion where every wall is festooned with a pair of tits. Like, like every... I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in 1975 in Italy, that um, it technically wasn't murder if you ripped off the woman's shirt before you stabbed her. That's that's illegal. You can take that to court. I'm a hundred percent. <laughs> that's what so, it feels like in these movies right fucking so much like I like, I remember I remember thinking that uh, like uh, Scatman Crothers and the, the Shining was a wee bit risky with his like uh, ebony princess on the wall with her uh, with her tatas out and then watching this yeah. I was like you know this guy like every wall is festooned with breasts and you know much respect to the photographer that he w- wants to do that, but at the same, the same point, I, I just wasn't expecting it to be, like, and, and I don't know why I wasn't at the same time, but I just wasn't expecting it to be so just, boom, right? Yeah, like, the thing is, like, Jallo has, there's a fine line between a, a trashy Jallo, right, and, dude, like, Lenzi's a great example of that. Lenzi's, like, a weird one when it comes to Jallo as well, because there are Certain titles he put out, granted, much earlier, um, you know, like pre-75, for example, where he's not as sleazy (laughs) with the old old nudity in his jallos, and he kind of doubles down more on the mystery, and I I really appreciate that, not that I'm taking away anything kind of post-75, because I love how bonkers he also gets, but there is a point where... You know, like, we we find that there is a substitution that, you know... it doesn't surprise me that 80 slasher films, for example, any excuse to get the tits out, because uh, that's what the audiences want to see. There's, you know, there's a precedent for that. Hammer did it relatively <laughs> shamelessly as well. If they weren't, like, out, they were, you know, the women were in corsets so tight oh, that... Oh, yeah, yeah. They you know, squeezed them till the, they were basically out. Like, yeah. Tighten this up. Yeah. And I can see, like, Karen Fisher behind squeezing her. It's like, it's too tight. Make it tighter. I can't breathe. Say my lines. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it's That's on. Why they dumped Ingrid Pitt over in Countess Dracula, right? <laughs> can breathe. She can breathe. It was, it was a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, but like, there's that level, and 
you're right. I think the thing about it is that you can usually, like, the more movies you watch from this side of the world, you can usually start to pick out director's tropes. And I think, like, to see that this feels like, especially if this is a one and done director, like, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a very, kind of very committed, this is what my movie is going to be like. It's also a big Argento ripoff. Mm-hmm. And like, I wouldn't say that about a lot of the Giallos. Like, Martino's are most definitely not uh, mm-hmm. Argento ripoffs. They're his own thing. Like, he has his, you know, he might be a gun for hire or something, but his movies are all unique, I think, into him. Yes. Or just oh, yes. very kind of like, but this is an Argento ripoff from the killer's motives to the weird out of left field uh, photography of the mines to the killer's uh, demise. It's yes. just such an Argento uh, animal trilogy deal. And I know that um, the audio essay mentions that too. But when I was watching this, I was like, what is this is such like a cat nine tails or four flies on gray velvet deal here. But I really like those movies. So I was on board. It's interesting with the time period, the difference as well, though, because when you think that, like, Argento set that out, it was done with those movies by 72, um, and this comes, like, a good few years later, and it's ebbing those almost as a, like, it's almost as if, you know, um, Columbo's not seen, you know, any Jallos apart from those ones, and he's like that, right, oh, this yeah. is how Jallos made, because, like, the genre had changed considerably in those three years when you see like we were moving full into you know you're going from something like lizard and a woman's skin or even through all the colors of the dark would went kind of trippy and like oh, yeah yeah the psychedelic fairies yeah and this movie doesn't do that out with the like out with the that mind photography and the, yeah and the, the pink the pink lighting and stuff what, what's weird though like you said the cinematography wasn't great but yeah. it's well shot it's and, well shot it's just flat stationary they're not like the yeah. great tracking shots, steady cam stuff we love from yeah. um, the other yellows or or the whip pans. They don't really do that too much, if I remember. It's more of a lot of steady shots. And yes. if I'm not mistaken, there's like three or four scenes where they're just sitting around a table and there's no cuts for like five minute conversations. Yeah. So this was the other thing I was going to say. So what kind of threw me a bit back was that, that like the dialogue in this movie isn't great, and there, there's there's not a huge amount of it, so you don't have to be lumbered with it, but there are a couple of awkward scenes where we're playing cards at a table, we're sitting around this dinner table, and we're making a big to-do about this waiter, um, or butler, sorry, and, um, you know, the maid that work in the house, um, you know, with their interactions and whatnot, originally kind of being set up as a red herring, which this movie sets up about three... Uh, red herrings and oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like at the end though like we're going to speak about the end because like the very very end because I was like huh <laughs> like have you just undone what I thought I had seen by doing that ending but we'll get to it um, so yeah so like, we, we have a lot of these kind of it is it's very I mean the, the locations that they're shot in specifically the, the, the kind of countryside beautiful scenery so I mean they're they're well picked out it's just the camera has no movement it has no energy behind it at all and I think that's what kind of throws me because Martino's a great example to, to raise him up Martino doesn't exactly go with you know incredible flourishes of camera movement but he's a, he's a like an incredibly consistent director um, and as a result of that, like he knows when a camera should move. He also like knows when scenes should finish. And this movie has like what I would class as overrunning scenes, like scenes where you know with a good editor, there they would be sitting going right. This you know this five minute scene of them talking around dinner is it is is it moving the plot along a little bit because they're talking about the murders that have been happening elsewhere, but that's really you know are a missing girl 
but that's about it. We can condense this down. Clever editing can, can make that, but it's not a long oh, yeah. movie either. So, like, you start chopping... Just throw an insert in, right? Yeah. Throw an insert in and, and end the scene quicker and have cut yeah. back to them talk. I don't know. It, it was... You're right. I didn't really think about that, but it is meandering in the conversations and... It's, it's an anchor. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's what I call a plot anchor. So, like, we start to make... Like, whenever there's a murder, I'm like, all oh, right, <laughs> here we go. And then, you know, we, we, we get the build-up to it. Some of the build-ups are like objectively hilarious uh like when the model arrives at the house and she's wet and then strips off into nothing but her underwear um minus the bra and then stands in front of the (laughs) fire knowing she's going to get a ham sandwich delivered to her but she does it anyway invites the person in as well and then is horrified when that person sees her naked um, and that guy, that that whole character is really weird, and like the slow character who yeah. is like obviously a red herring, but later he plays into the plot somewhat, and yeah. you just know that he's a little bit more devious maybe than he let on. Mm-hmm. But it's just a strange thing, like especially the scene where it's involving the maid in him. It's just oh, like who's more at fault here? <laughs> who's at more at fault here? This is just like equal disgust yeah like i was, I was watching it going oh, what is going on <laughs> and it's and like the, i kind of i kind of love that about the movie as well is that like i never at any point felt like i had a full grasp on what was happening and then they brought out the the mind photography and then i was like <laughs> right i totally I <laughs> like i missed i thought i misheard it. i was like oh what <laughs> i don't what like he's got, he's got, a, he's got. A, like, why is this guy not famous? Like, like why is it like solving? Why is he not Colombo? Why is he not? So let me take a. You see, sir, I'm just going to take a photo of you know, like, and then all of a sudden he saw. It was, it was a weird thing to throw in, and his it, scenes it, using that. Detail, what are you saying? So they determine if you're going to go crazy or not. So the guy wants to break in and get the evidence. Yeah, but he goes like, <laughs> right. So the, the scenes of him finding out who the killer is, right, are Bob Ross moustache. Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross in the wheelchair. Um, the scene of him trying to get the photograph to prove who the killer is goes on for... Well, interspliced with the killing goes on for a while. It's like five minutes. And then there's... And I, 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 I will admit, I'm a bad guy, I about pissed myself laughing when he was wheeling himself out there and try to find Antonio. Um, no, no, I don't. <laughs> You're laughing about the part where he falls out of the wheelchair. It's just like, why did you stand up immediately and try to attack her? Why didn't you wheel your chair to her and then stand up? He's, what he's, is wrong with you? All the wheelchair humor shouldn't be funny, but it's hilarious because he does that when he when he finally gets the photo of the killer. He tries to find Antonio by wheeling out of the room and he wheels up and down the same room about five times, screaming Antonio, then goes out round the garden, back in, through another room, uh, only to be you know confronted with our would-be killer. Um... <laughs> but is this whole journey right round is like I'm like what right I understand panic right I understand yeah. that you've you know something now and you need to you need to communicate that out to someone but we we spend like a long time with this guy badly wheeling himself in a wheelchair up and down gardens like and it's just it's like too much and once again I think it's that it comes to that slickness of it and it's just it's like there's, you're given too much of it on the screen. Um, I there's I, no close-ups either. Like, think about it. Like, you think yep. somebody would have got a, a... I don't remember any shots of, like, the wheels rolling or mm-hmm. anything. No, no, 
No, you get none of that at all. And that's what that is. Those, like, the garden's beautiful. The inside of the house is beautiful. And the camera position is great. But we need, like, the characters being very active, but the camera isn't. And there's something... coverage. Yeah, it's it just doesn't it just doesn't gel. Um, let's talk it. Like, let's get let's get into that, right? So, if we're talking about the actual story plot of this movie, it really does involve you know models being murdered um, with scissors. It's like unless I missed it, it's never really explained fully. Well, they do explain that he had the character had a mental breakdown at one right. point. Yeah, but. See the very end of this movie, right? They do the Hitchcock, the Psycho, where they sit down and explain it. But they it explain still the full thing out, and it's and, and once again, I am up. Like I have seen movies with less explanation or even more dumbfounded, like conclusions. When I'm like that, what How, he did? What? No, that doesn't even make even the timeline doesn't even make sense now. You know, like uh, like he was in they that the shot. Thing in Dream No Evil, which was on the American mm-hmm. Horror Project. I mean, they're. Psycho is can't be overstated enough how much Psycho is literally like ripped off. Like every oh, movie yeah. ever ripped off yeah. Psycho. So it's like every ending for almost ninety percent of thrillers is like, well, now just in case the audience is dumb or we got to cover <laughs> our tracks, we got to explain everything. Yeah, but we're not going to explain much here because there isn't much. Yeah, but like, see, right, but see, the very last shot of this movie has the kind of slow guy at the lettuce patch which we're found out is where he's burying the bodies this is how they didn't find the bodies he's burying yeah. them in the lettuce patch which makes no sense but we'll, we'll roll with it and he's there and then there's this kind of indication that maybe he knew he knew yeah and so like he knew he was involved and then we get a quote that appears on the screen <laughs> which I mean like I'd, like the, the balls of any director to, to put a quote at the end of the screen that adds nothing to the plot other than confuse me more because I'm like well so is he the killer then or is no, he the I, killer? I honestly think that he knew the bodies were there and he was coming back and fondling them okay. I, I'm not even joking like because look what he does every time he encounters a woman he this is true he does it he goes I right for that he learned from the killer Ah, right. So it's so more than a lot of us. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's squeezing more than a head of lettuce, is what you're saying. Uh, he's he's in there reaching in and like he just like is like gardening and he sees a pair of dead breasts sticking up and he just starts squeezing them and he doesn't get in trouble. <laughs> so he therefore, I, I this is psychology 101 with mentally handicapped characters. 101. I love it. it. Your first lesson today will be if a mentally handicapped person sees a pair of breasts in a cabbage patch while while, after watching a killer kill somebody, he will squeeze them. He will squeeze them. It's it's Jungian, isn't it? Really, it's Jungian philosophy or or psychology. Um, That's what I got to assume they're trying to get across, right? Well, it's just because this was the thing that threw me. At the end, the quote comes up, and I thought to myself, is this quote basically saying that he set up the other guy then? And I was like, but no, because. Like the no, the, he, the he, mind he photography. That's a sentence I didn't think I would have to say today. Uh, the mind photography showed him who the killer was, so we know he is the killer because it showed him the killer. We're led to believe, although we don't actually see the ki- we see the knife or the scissor. Sorry, we don't actually see his face until he wheels round and sees him over the body, which made me then think, is it the other guy that's so? I like at the end. This is one of the few jallos I can see hand on heart that you know if it was revealed either way. I would be happy with it, but I also feel there is a, a great area of confusion for me as to exactly... Because then there's a part of me thinking maybe this like slower guy has set up the other guy. 
Like, I, because the, the quote is something ridiculous, like, oh, um, why can the, the only thing that separates beast and men is that evil called intelligence. Yes. So are they saying he's a beast and he's not a man, but he's, so he's not evil. He's inherently just, husband. but at the same, I really think that the guy, it's just kind of, nobody thought to question the slow guy. They just kind of like, just, oh, that's some old, per- that's some perverted guy. Don't pay attention to him. But I just think he knew, I think he knew about the murders is what, what I gathered from it. I think we- that he was aware of it. We're talking about the Argento-styled three animals, death, um, and it really really is. This guy dies like nine times. (laughs) I was like, they're not doing this, are they? And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like Four Flies meets Cat or Nine Tail. Oh, God. What's weird, too, is this movie, it it wants its cake and eats it, too. It's it's like, um, when it comes to Giallo, you're always like, well, we got to have the classiness, right? So they got to be rich people, and they are. But instead of putting them in the city and showcasing this beautiful city, they're like, we're going to put them in a rural area, which is weird, too, which you wouldn't do that because don't torture a duckling is one of the only rural giallos I can think of. This more fits with Torso because it's in the country, yes. but they're rich, and it's the villa. It's, it's just like a mixture. Like, I don't – it is weird. It's just it's like – so, yeah, I think I think when they describe it as, uh, you know, in their description, they say it's got plenty of general weirdness. I do think it is. Like, it, it's – all around it feels like different elements. It, it, it genuinely feels like, right, we're going to make a Jallo and we've seen a few. Uh, so we, we know roughly what it is. We have this concept idea. The concept idea is models being murdered. That totally fits in. You know, I mean, this, you know, it goes all the way back to Blood and Black Lace. You know, we've got the, the, the models are going to be murdered and that's cool. And we're going to do this. And then main photography because, like, that's how we Why not? Yeah, why not? Gotta have the journal. You gotta have the journalist. That's an Argento character. We stereotype. need to have that journalist in there. But then we come to like the title of this movie <laughs> and the reveal. Oh, journalist too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's, a, it's what you do. It's, it's the reason for. I prefer that to in a lot of respects to the you know and I mean the artist. I'll, yeah, the artist who is the, like you know flung into the mix and then you know can't let the you know he's seen the one element that'll solve the crime yeah, so yeah. You, and like, I like that the, the, to me the journalist has the real reason to yeah. to dig in and you know do what the police can't do to an extent um this the name of this movie is the police are blundering in the dark and the, at least this links back like so <laughs> this one links back to the opening the credits in the newspaper that's about it and then they bring it up at the end too at but the very end right because this isn't a police procedural at all like no. they would suggest like you see the title you're like oh this is going to be just a couple cops trying to figure out a crime no it's not at all no in fact the police are not really mentioned in any way she performed to any satisfying degree like you say until the end where we're closing up the case and then the reveal is <laughs> <laughs> oh, this reveal is fucking great. Uh, one of the supposed red herrings from earlier on, the 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 kind of head butler waiter guy, who at, like two or three times here threatens to kill his potential partner or the maid or whoever it was, um, and they're like, hands up, ready to fucking. If you don't do your job, I will fucking strangle you. <laughs> Just a degree of professionalism here, woman. Um, he is revealed to be a private investigator. Who has been brought in because, and he says it, the police have blundered in this case. And I was like, ah. Oh. Most butlers are. Most butlers are. It's a very little known fact. Clearly, most butlers were private investigators. It's clue. It's clue all over again. It's Tim Curry. Um, depending Who on which ending you've off. watched. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They want royalties now. <laughs> Spoiler for Clue, guys. Sorry. <laughs> it's a. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's. there's um, 
So there's that there's that element going on. So like he's revealed at the end. But then what I love about this is he's shit. Like he didn't solve the he didn't solve the case. Like so like the the, the, like, the police are blundering in the dark. Yes, but so is the private investigator. The private investigator and, didn't solve this case. And she keeps getting carried away. Like his partner, the maid, mm-hmm. her sister. That's another reveal just wants to have sex like she wants to have sex with the journalist they're mm-hmm. having a thing on the side mm-hmm. she also gets so uh, i don't want to use the term but i will the most politically correct term i know horned up and uh <laughs> kind of has that thing with the mentally handicapped guy which is just one of the sleaziest things it's, it's just like it, really it, uncomfortable it reminds me of islands it, of death you know island of oh, death I'm, at the end yeah, where you're yeah. just like everything that's happening here is wrong the Nico makaraskis one yeah 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 everything that happens at the end of that movie is just like incredibly creepy and wrong um <laughs> like, just like you watch it going, I didn't think we were going to end up here. Like when this movie started, I didn't realize we we're going to end up here. There's like we need one more taboo. What's the worst one we can think of? <laughs> Say no more. Oh, but yeah, like he's like. Oh, so that movie is like. There's a reason. Once again, like there are certain movies that when when we talk about the video nasty list, there are certain movies I'm like, I can't believe we're even discussing this movie in the same breath of that. And then you watch Island of Death and you're like, I could see if you were a censor who had never seen a horror movie before and you sat oh, yeah. down and watched that movie, you would have thought the world was going to fucking end tomorrow. Yeah. I could One see of the it. rare cases where they're right. <laughs> like Cannibal Holocaust, Island of Death, I Should yep. Be On Your Grave. You're like, they might have something here. Yeah, like, they might have something. Right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just like a lot of again old like like church going like, <laughs> like especially it's like Greek and it's like an island and they're oh, all religious yeah. people and they're just like that. Eh, that movie's messed up. I don't. I can go on about that one. You you covered that one yet? I'm sure on the video. Yeah, I did. I did it on. Yeah, I did it on doing the nasty. I, I recently covered uh, as part of the Arrow series that I do, and I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to revisit this one, and I revisited it. And if anything, it shocked me more like, on the on the second watch. Uh, just in the terms of, it really does. To be honest. Yeah, it's like it really does. I think you hit the but like because he like the director there specifically wanted to do a movie that was like Last House on the Left in Cannibal Holocaust. He, he said that that was his whole goal. His whole goal in making that was he got money, he got his financing, uh, which was his money really, um, to make a movie to do that because that's 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 what makes money because look at all the attention all these movies are getting. And it's other movies are nothing like that. They're nothing like it at all. And actually what's interesting is you hear him talk about Island of Death, he's fucking ashamed of it. <laughs> Like, he's, I like uh, Lindsay hates the cannibal movies he made. He's like, ah, yeah, fucking hate. Yeah, well, I mean, always like that. Yeah, watch the the this, you know the the no animal violence version of Cannibal Holocaust, and you're like, at one point though, you were there on set going, yes, <laughs> let's eviscerate this turtle. You know what I mean? Like, we got a turtle. We're gonna. Oh, I'll show that motherfucker, Lindsay. He ain't got nothing. I'll blow man out of deep river out of the water. Bring that turtle in here. <laughs> it's just Give me a couple of monkeys too while you're at it. Yeah, it's just like you like you look back at them and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And that's on some level when I like when I think about like linking this back uh, rather than this kind of tangential conversation about like John stuff, but like the linking it back here, the scene of her like ultimately seducing this kind of mentally impaired guy and that's what she's doing she knows exactly yeah. what she's doing and she's well, grinding on them 
it's shady just, too because he grabs her first and you're like oh this yep. pervert needs to be put away probably and then she she goes with it and you're oh, like she don't know who's it. taking advantage of who here yeah it's like, like and then i'm thinking how long has she been in the house has she been flirting with him for a while or you know is this just a case of this guy like you were saying is this guy got like some you're like he's, he's mentally handicapped but is this because he's found the bodies in the past and this is like creating yeah, or watching that learn um behavior but this is the only case where i think that they both could be charged for rape at the same time like i'm gonna charge them both with rape but how can they both rape? i don't know but it, it's just that way it feels, I, it feels right it feels right <laughs> it's, it's double like, rape <laughs> it's like double jeopardy except you know with rape <laughs> well, i I don't, I don't know. I don't know his chances on air, but we should pitch it anyway. Um, but yeah, like it's also like the killer nun. Do you remember that? Like yes. where people are just like, yeah, that like scene with the the two crazy people having sex out mm-hmm. in the lawn. It's just like, I mean, this one feels like it's just all, all these different things of Italian cinema. But it's a, it's a, it's definitely one that you can like patch up and pair up with a bunch of them. Yes. Well, this was this was going to be my next point. The, the interesting thing about this one is that it's not like by. If this is like 75, we're already transitioning away from Jallo. We're already moving into the police procedural stuff, which is the, the Italian name for it, the, is something I can never pronounce. Um, but this. Yes, yes. And we move into. We're moving into that area. So you start to get the kind of crossover of, well, it's kind of, you know, that it used to be like 70% Jallo, 30% police trying to solve the crime. And now we've kind of flipped it. So it's now 70% police. You know, mystery, thirty percent kind of jalo tropes, and those jalo tropes tend to be to do with the murder or the violence on the screen, and less to do with with anything else. And this one feels like it's kind of the police procedural stuff is not in here, even though the title would suggest that it should be. But because you get like little snippets, specifically in how it's bookended, um, and the way it's you know where it's shot, and you you could you could start, I could like comfortably pick about four or five different jallos that would would sit probably I mean they're better than this movie but you know you could sit them with them with this movie opening your double bill and then having the you know the the, the better title coming after it and it, what what struck me overall with it was that whilst there were elements like pacing I think the pacing's not great in it like I said before I don't think necessarily the the dialogue like the actual script itself isn't great. I did like the story though. I'd like the the actual idea of you know that you know these these models being murdered. I, I love the 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 bonkers like we're just we're we are doing mind photography and like if this is seventy five as well, this is out the same year as Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> and there oh, are wow. there's a lot of lighting, a lot of lighting choices here. Uh-huh. It reminds me. of He's standing up, uh, the Phantom or William Finley when he's playing all the with, yeah. the with the purple in it. Like this is what was springing through my mind. So you're, you're getting those when he's in that room and there's all the <laughs> that whole scene. I was looking at, I was like, this looks great. Like it's like the lighting and stuff. It's yeah. beautiful. Like, and the vinegar syndrome's master helps with that. I'm sure. Yes. Well, uh, the, the 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 master overall, the two K restoration. I, I've never seen the original, but it's it looks nice. It looks nice. They've, they've done their own work there. But like, so there was issues with that. Overall, though, I found it weirdly compelling. I don't think it's like I. 
I am never too harsh with movies from... I get a bit of shit for this because I do the Italian collection stuff and the Slasher Classics collection, which if you've ever looked at, I don't know if you have... um, I know of the Slasher Classics It has about five Slashers in it. Um, You know what I mean? And then for no reason... like This is is the stuff that drives me up the wall. They're going to put the Children of Corn trilogy in the Slasher Classics collection. And then... That's iffy. Yeah, if he just a little bit. And then they've just released I Know What You Did Last Summer box set. And it's not in the Slasher. It's not in the Slasher Classics collection. I don't know if it's because they denote that something released before a certain time is a classic and anything after that is a modern. I don't know. But to me, it's like... You kind of throw the term classic out when you put, I love this movie, but in what kind of fucking world do we live in when scalps? Not scalps. I don't love scalps. I don't remember if I ever watched it, but Nail Gun Massacre is in the Slasher Classics mm-hmm. collection. It's just like, this is a trash classic. Yeah. This yeah. Is- <laughs> yeah. It's not a Slasher yeah. classic. Yeah, but I think the term classic is over. Like, people are like, oh, it's a classic. Like, it's just so weird nowadays. It's a cult movie. It's like, yeah, like, like a cult movie that came out like, you know, instant. It's when, when publications do that, that thing of, you know, or you see it on the posters, like a journalist for Bloody Disgusting says, instant cult hit. No, it takes a decade of being shunned in obscurity to become a cult movie, right? Where, like, like it's, it's, the, it's the tiny snowball at the top of the mountain that rolls down, it takes 10 years to hit the bottom, and by the bottom, it's still not a massive snowball, because it's not mainstream, but it's, you know, it's... But it's got a dedicated fan base. Exactly. I don't, I like, to me, like, when they were, like, I remember them saying, you know, Turbo Kid, instant cult movie. I've yet to find someone that dislikes Turbo Kid. So, like, yeah, to me, I, that, that did its job. <laughs> like, like, like it, because it didn't play at every cinema in the world and wasn't your, like, your local multiplex or anything like that, it does not denote a cult movie. It's just a smaller movie. It's an indie movie. And an indie movie can still be a cult movie, but it usually means that it didn't do well on the indie scene. Yeah, and nobody liked found, it. Or exactly. As you like, you, but, uh, let, you change the con, you, you change the explanation and definition of a word, and then anything can fit into it. Um, and I think when you look at when you look specifically at the way the uh, the way we can navigate through specifically this time period with movies, like they're like Jalo in its in its entirety. There are so many titles and such a small time period that I can imagine certain titles like the idea of a forgotten Jally for example are are going to bring up the ones which are either these kind of forgotten classics to an extent or ones where that you know we admit it ourselves maybe it's not the best movie in the world however it did come out in that time period it is a Jalo and we know that there are fans out there specifically that are into that and we're going to give you the opera because that's what I like. Is I like oh, yeah. I can have ten copies of Bird with the Crystal Plumage, you know, sitting on my shelf, and that's great. The next ten, then into the next version of it, I'll probably buy that one as well because that's my life. Well, uh, also, it's it's good to have these ones that are like kind exactly. of middling because, like, I like this movie probably a little bit more than you, but mm-hmm. the middling ones so you can compare to the masterpieces because people don't realize that oh, they don't make they didn't make many movies like they made hundreds of giallos. Oh, and, yes. and there's so many westerns like you'll never watch them all you'll never be able to find them mm-hmm. all it's impossible half of them are into obscurity and it's it's fun looking at this and comparing it to the other ones and seeing where it fits in that cinematic puzzle piece you know where it yeah. goes and and i enjoy that and this one it had the right amount of sleeves for me because i'm a trash guy you know <laughs> I, I got my pervert part like i say you know i like that stuff and i like when it gets ridiculous because it makes me it makes me laugh because i'm just like i can't believe they're doing this yeah oh well, yeah like this is the and it's the, the, the 
I suppose that the thing that I, I enjoy about the turns that this movie takes is it's played straight. Like at no point oh, yeah. does this movie go camp. It doesn't go camp at all, and I kind of love that. About is there any jowls that go camp? I can't think of any. Um, no, you're probably right. You're probably. I can't I think of any, or, or the dubbing at least doesn't allow it. And yeah, it's just like so they're played straight. I think that's maybe why the editor works so well, is because the editor takes a campy approach to delivering. It, it, it shows you how if you string out a lot of the tropes from the movies pivoted through a certain oh, yeah, light yeah. it becomes campy and I think you're right they're probably un- unlike slasher movies that did bo- easily went campy like the the Jallos don't I, I think they're always played straight and there's that, there's an endearing quality there that Italian well, collection Jallos never had a Freddy Krueger so well, if Jallos had Freddy Krueger in her day, we'd have a whole bunch of Jallos <laughs> like that. the thing of it is like, I look at like the Italian collection that, that I do and when I run through those there are very few titles that have ever scored really low for me, and I think it's because unlike the slasher classics ones or like trash cinema in general, there's usually a bit where you're comp- you you are compromising maybe cinematography and you know budget over like weird and wonderful performance by one actor or this one shot that you're going to be talking about for the next hundred years, um, and and Jallos tend to. You know, if the cinematography isn't great, you're going to get an incredible score by one of the you know multitude of like 17 amazing composers that were working yeah. at the time period. There's usually some good visual effects or whatever. And the place of blunder in the dark, like I say, it doesn't have it doesn't have energetic cinematography, but it does have good set composition. You know, I mean, the the choice of location, yeah, it's good. The lighting's good, stuff like that. Yeah, so it nails that. The score, I like the score as well, and I like the stories. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's to me, there's a lot to enjoy about this one. I would like, like I say, I would caveat it with the fact that, I mean, the the, the dialogue isn't great and the acting is is a bit ropey and there there are visible moments for me there's like two or three scenes in the movie where the brakes are just put right on and I, I find that a bit needless I think we could have you know a bit of clever edit and we could move it on and, and do a bit more however in saying that one I don't feel there are certain certain movies and other genres that I sit and I watch uh, to you know like because I bought a collection or whatever and you, you watch them and you're like I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I can't believe I just spent and, and oh, and half, yeah, watching like, that. This bad. movie is not like that at all. Like at the end of it, I was like, "Yeah, d- do I know if I'll? It'll be a long time that you know that will go by before I'll ever return to the police of Blunter in the dark." But I'm genuinely happy I watched it because I enjoyed myself, yeah. and it was an easy watch. It was a very easy watch. It wasn't one of these because I watch a lot of movies. You do watch a lot of movies. Like mm-hmm. at certain points, you, you see like you're like, "Man, now if we were to watch like ten Giallos in a row, this would not be one you want to throw on at the end." Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, so what I'll do is I'll give you... Uh, I've obviously just done a big final closing statement. Is there anything else you want to say about the police are blundering in the dark before um, we uh, give it a grade? I think it's kind of funny that, like you said, the cinematography is pretty static throughout the entire movie. But during the credits, they're like, well, we got to make up for this. And they have this weird aerial plane stuff. And I'm like, where's this coming from? He's like, I want the camera to feel alive. It needs to get its exercise. Take it up in the plane. <laughs> Some was that from some other set. movie? Like, did the director just like go on vacation it the weekend before and felt, throw it in? Yeah, it felt it felt like it might have been not stock footage, but it felt like it could have been footage from something else. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It just felt so out of place from the rest of the movie. I suppose like the the only other 
Like when the woman's being chased in the woods, the camera is not energetic, but the camera is moving. Um, you know, there's 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 good editing there for the shots. Maybe not necessarily someone's running with a camera, but you know, it's edited in such a way where it feels a lot more energetic than what's happening. Uh, but you're right, the the the, <laughs> the credits and stuff like that. Did someone forget to switch the camera off and we just took it up? Uh, <laughs> Just so it was weird. Just... It was weird. I don't know. It was like a scene from a cannibal movie, except it was just like the countryside of the jungle. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on, but I, I mean, I enjoyed it, like because mm-hmm. it had the score playing throughout. And then, like when I walked away, I caught myself whistling the score. I couldn't do it now, but very rarely do I walk away from a movie whistling the score. That yeah, doesn't typically in modern movies. Like you, you, I could never name five modern scores that I love. Yeah, I've got. I, it's weird. There'll be there. there... Not full scores. There'll be there'll be artists that have worked on certain things. I'm like, I need to go and check out. There it tends to be um, Peter Strickland, uh, the the British director. He yeah. he picks really interesting um, composers to work with, but they're not like out with Infabric. Infabric, you know, to me has a perfect score front to back. But like his other ones, like I love the score on Barbarian Sound Studio, but you couldn't sit down and listen to the score from Barbarian Sound Studio because um, you know broadcast who do that. It's so bizarre, like it's so so bad. And they have the the bit where the you know the guy that comes in to do the voice of the goblin, and he's just like yeah. <laughs> that's, it's that's been a, a while since I've seen Sound Studio, but I remember oh. the score would probably be. I feel like the movie had like a um, impending doom to it. But, oh, constantly, like, yeah. yeah. And that's what the score feels like. It's just weird. It's like experimental. Noise making um and some of it becomes uh, tonally interesting but most of the time it sounds dissonant um but it works yeah. in the confine in the movie but like i say you would never i would never finish and go that you know what i'm in the mood for today a little bit of broadcast in the old barbarian sound I'm studio go sleep with this on and just have the worst fucking oh, night of yeah. my life <laughs> so i yeah I, i'm with you on that one it, there you know there are a handful of modern movies where i'm like yeah this is a really interesting score but i don't know it's not like it's not like a Goblin score where I would sit and I'm going to listen to a Deep Red soundtrack today. You well, know like what you I mean? You kept yourself when you're walking. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, like I say every day, um, the, um, all the music in House on the Edge of the Park by Ritz, Ritz Rolani is stuck yeah. in my fucking head. Rolani's <laughs> score is stuck in my head. This is like, it plays in my head all the time when I'm walking. I'm like, like, so it's just like, I don't know. It's weird. It's probably familiarity. You know, you've watched the movie so many times. It's stuck in there. Yeah, it's just one of those things that just it just stays with you. Like it's like like I, I <laughs> like at any given time, I could probably recite this. You know, the the main theme for the Cannibal Holocaust. In fact, I've got oh, a, yeah. I've got hey. a, I've got a friend who's who uh, walked down the aisle. Uh, the podcaster uh, friend who walked down the aisle to the score from Cannibal Holocaust, the main theme, and no yeah. one knew. No one knew. They thought it was that. They thought oh, it was it's a beautiful music. That's a beautiful song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he didn't walk down to the bring down, down, down. <laughs> walked down to the... He's like, he's like talking to the people on the We're getting a divorce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he's down the yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happened in this wedding here, but all of a sudden, I don't think they're going to have a happy marriage. Um... Hold on, though. Play the opening, not the part where the where they rip apart the woman. <laughs> 
Completely different score. Gets lost in translation, man. It gets lost in translation. Now, you know, over here, under the stairs, we do... Um, what I keep saying is, I'm going to try this year to avoid saying Netflix rating because I think this show has now existed using the grading longer than Netflix used that grading system for. Um, but it's one through five. I, I tend to go with more of a feeling... Um, rather than a like technical academic grade. Uh, however, if you want to do that, that's cool. Uh, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, five is loved it. Um, you can do point fives if you want. What, pre tell, my friend, are you going to give The Police Are Blundering in the Dark? Uh, I'm going to give it a three and a half, which is a, a very good movie for me. It's enjoyable. Um. A lot of people are probably going to give it a three or something like that. But this one, I haven't watched a Giallo in a long time. I put it in. It hit the right spots. Sleazy enough. Had enough action. And I like the countryside aspect to it, too. So I'll go three and a half. And it did make me view, what the fuck is this with the picture camera stuff? But then <laughs> listening to, like, the, the essay and stuff and, and also thinking that sounds like something Argento would do. And she's pointing that out. It's just like, mm-hmm. how am I going to give Argento a pass and then not this movie? So three and a half. I like it. I like it. You you pretty much predicted my grade. I'm coming in just a little bit below you. Uh, I'm giving it a three. I liked it. I, I think there's enough in here, like I say, to mine out. I think we've we, we've covered those points really well. I think if you've never seen it before, and like you know me, I'm an advocate for getting to Jallo. I think now is the time. The labels are really on board with it. You can now see some of the best remastered versions of some of the best movies ever made in my opinion out there and available and it's great that labels the more people buy those movies the more likely you're going to get you know companies like Vinegar Syndrome or companies like Severin releasing box sets of jowls that are just maybe not on the beaten track you know they're slightly off I like that I'm with you 100% to understand and appreciate why a movie like uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage is such a great movie is you need context around it. So you need to see other filmmakers trying to do the same thing, maybe not on that same level, but it's great to see how that way of storytelling and cinema evolved. And in some respects, it didn't evolve past the, right, here is the three points to tell a Jalo story. We need a glove killer. We need a, you know, like, those things are there. But the device mechanism in which you can deliver it allows you the opportunity to to throw in a, a, a you know, a mind camera. And why not? <laughs> I think that's kind of fun. I'm working on one right now. <laughs> now, we have another two movies in this box set to do. Um, hopefully, if you've not bought the box set, get on it. Uh, it's on sale just now on the Vinegar Syndrome website. You can get it for $50. Um, although I, it does say the product is out of stock, which <laughs> I wish I'd read that before I told you the price. They'll, um, have, they'll have single releases eventually of all the movies too. Yeah. You just won't get that nice cardboard thing. Yeah, the, the, the box set. But yeah, I, I think uh, what was what's cool about it, I think overall is like I say we're getting we're getting more of these coming out. We've two more in this box set. We have Killer is one of thirteen, and Trauma, um, still still to cover. Now I, I, I you're running this show, my friend. So uh, where where are we going next? What one do you fancy doing next? We're gonna do Killer is one of thirteen or Trauma. Well, I think we based it off starting with the earliest and going later, even mm-hmm. though like they are labeled in there. They're like, like they have A, B, C, which we should have went with that. Honestly, I don't know which one comes out first. I know this one was 75. Yep. Uh, uh, let's do Killer as one of 13, 30. I think. I, th- I think that's that 76. Yep, looks like uh, it. 
It says to double check real quick. Uh, yeah, we'll, 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 I think we'll go with it anyway because uh, Paul Nash is in this one which has my Ooh, interest peaked. I like Paul Nasty. Mm. Um, the synopsis for this one is, uh, our recent widow has invited a group of friends and family to our large and secluded country home. Another country home one. Uh, however, the guests don't know uh, the real reason they've been invited or assembled is their host suspects one of them might be her husband's killer. Oh, amazing. And she's intent on uncovering the ident- identity of the murderer. As the guests begin to suspect each other, revealing long-kept and sinister secrets in the process, an unknown black glove killer begins bumping them off in a variety of nasty ways. A unique Spanish... Well, here we go. Uh, a unique Spanish take on Agatha Christie's often adapted novel and Jalo source material favourite, and then there were none, exploitation auteur Javier Agree of Count Dracula's Great Love, The Killer's 13, uh, is one of 13, is uncharacteristically literature in structure, but never skimps on the requisite bloodshed, featuring some of Spain's top genre film stars, including Patty Shepard of Rest in Pieces, Jack Taylor of Female Vampire, and Paul Nashi in a supporting role, Vinner Gersyndrum brings The Killer is one of 13 to Blu-ray in a newly restored 2K from the original negative and I am excited to do this but this sounds totally up my avenue. I was going to ask is he a werewolf? Is the killer a werewolf? <laughs> <It's> a killer. <laughs> that would just be a youth must die and also every Paul Matthew movie is going to be a werewolf. I thought Jack, Jack Taylor, he's pieces as well isn't he? Um, Jack Taylor is a piece. He's in a hundred movies. He's like every, every movie. He's, like, he's in every yeah, movie. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally like you have me in when you say Agatha Christie and single set location, and one of them is a killer, and we're going to work it out Poirot style. I am down to clown for this one, and it's what we will be doing next. Uh, I think we've said between the two of us, we're going to try and do one of these one a month. Um, we can do whatever you want. One, one every two weeks, one a month. But we're we're very busy, I'm sure. Yeah, we we will get it sorted, and you will reap the benefit of that, dear listeners. Um, now, you, my friend, are a busy guy. We spoke about this earlier on. You bulk, you bulk review in a way which makes me envious, um, and I, I don't know how you keep the stamina up to do what you do. Um, I'll let the listeners out there know who have not checked out your work, where they can check out uh, your podcast, your videos on YouTube, etc. Uh, Mr. Parka, M-R-P-A-R-K-A on YouTube, one word, check it out. And also, I am uh, pretty much a full-time, part-time guest on 22 Shots and Moods and Horror. Nice. Um, it's a podcast on Horophilia, but we'll be moving soon because Horophilia is closing. So, yeah, check out the podcast uh, for more ridiculousness. Fantastic. All right, so I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show, and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 267. We were sitting down chatting. The police are blundering in the dark. The first movie in the Forgotten Jally series, the box sets from Vinegar Syndrome. We have five more movies to do. Thank you very much to my guest, Dave Parker. He was a ton of fun to chat to, and I can imagine that the conversations moving forward are probably going to be infinitely more tangential. So I'm just putting that warning out in advance. Hopefully you enjoyed the 
weird avenues we went down. I, I feel like that conversation is one for just genre of film fans in general. We're pulling from all different sources. The guy's like a font of knowledge of those little obscure movies. So, ton of fun chatting to him. Looking forward to doing more. There's a multitude of ways to check out the show. Wherever you're listening to us right now, hit subscribe. That way you never miss any content coming out from under the stairs. Also subscribe to Teapot's Collective and that way you get access to all the additional stuff that I do with the sub-shows over on that feed as well. Couldn't be any easier. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do. You can check out our website. It's teaputzcast.com. The merch page, which is surprisingly barren because I'm going to get my finger out and do something with that this year, is teaputzcast.bigcartel.com. There are a few pins left and a few posters if you want to throw some shekels to support what I do. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputzcast. Why not interact on the Facebook page for the old Teaputz Collective. Granted, I only post the links to all the shows up there, but you can reach out and get in touch with me there if you want. Just general conversation about any of the shows under the podcast Under the Stairs banner. That's facebook.com forward slash Teaputzcast. Myself and the Baz can chat to you over on other forms of social media. I call them the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Those are Instagram and Twitter. Both of them can be followed by going to both platforms and using the at Teapots cast. Couldn't be any easier. The podcast Under the Stairs returns for a very exciting bonus episode tomorrow with the review of the upcoming release of Psycho Goreman, aka PG, and an interview with the director himself. You need to listen to this. You need to check out that movie when it drops on the 22nd. And that's all i got to say about that. But until then, wherever you are, wherever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.